Hey there, I'm Krista, your host for the Birding Tools Podcast. Each week, I'll delve into the wonderful world of birds for birding beginners and those wanting to get the lowdown on what goes into bird watching and identifying birds. Let's get started. This week on the Birding Tools Podcast, I'll be getting into the top five things you need to get started with bird watching. Now, for those of you who have already started bird watching or who have been for a while, I'm betting the two most important things to bring with you every time you go out birding are your binoculars and a field guide. As far as physical items go, I totally agree with you. But for just a little bit, I'm going to chat about these two points so that those who haven't already taken the step to get binoculars and a field guide can further understand why it's important to get both of these items. But stick with me because I'll be getting into three more things I think are important in your birding endeavors. And those are printing out a bird list for your area, recognizing the five keys to bird identification, and connecting with your local birding community. So let's get started. The first thing you need to get going with birding are a pair of binoculars that works for you. Having a pair of binoculars is essential for seeing birds and I personally bring them out when I am just out and about and certainly I bring them when I'm just planning to go out birding in general. There's nothing more frustrating than spotting a bird in the distance that you don't recognize or you know, one that's up close and it's flitting around in the bushes and you just can't quite see them and you don't have your binoculars to take a look at them. Ultimately, binoculars can help you immensely to see the minute details on birds, even when they're barely 20 feet away or when they're super far away and they allow you to see them really well to help with identification. Now, let's step back for just a second because I said you want binoculars that work for you. Now, what exactly does that mean? It means that everybody has eyes that are spaced apart differently or differing abilities to carry binoculars of a certain weight around for hours on end. Selecting a pair of binoculars that fits the spacing of your eyes well so that you get a perfect clear circle when you look through the lenses or that's light enough to be comfortable carrying around while out on a birding excursion can make your experience trying to find birds using your binoculars much more enjoyable. Keep in mind that there's some points that you'll want to consider as you're picking out a pair of binoculars. For those of you who already have binoculars, these are important for you as well. Our show notes will be linking to a guide detailing the top 10 things to look for when purchasing your binoculars, but for the sake of time, I won't go through all 10 of them on here just yet. So first, make sure that you understand the magnification numbers associated with your binoculars. I have a pair of Nikon Monarch 8x42 binoculars, and that 8x42 number is what I'm referring to here. The first number, the number 8, is the magnification of the lenses, meaning that a bird will appear 8 times larger through my binoculars than they will just with the naked eye. Try to get binoculars that are around 7 power magnification or larger, and know that anything 10 power and above is going to add more shake as you look through the binoculars. And this makes sense because, you know, as you magnify magnifying closer, uh, the more you're going to notice even the slightest uh, hand jerk or hand movement. And 
especially for beginner birders, this can get pretty frustrating when you're focusing on a little flitty bird and you need to nail down key colors or field markings to get a good identification on that bird, right? So again, all the other things that I think are important for selecting a pair of binoculars will be downloadable in the show notes on our website, birdingtools.com. So the next most important thing you need to start bird watching is a field guide. Every region in the world has a field guide. Sometimes it's by country, sometimes it's by sort of larger regions, depending on where you're looking, um, but they all list out the birds found in that area along with the key things that you need to look for to identify each bird there. Now, there are electronic field guides through apps and computer software tools that are, um, and there are physical guidebooks, right? Um, you know, and having a birding app is super helpful for on-the-fly ID, especially the Merlin Bird ID app, which I totally recommend everyone listening to download. It's completely free and covers many different regions around the world. Um, you know, I still think that having a physical uh, field guide is really important, and here's why. So first, disconnecting from your phone every once in a while I think is really important, especially while you're outside and you know, you're bird watching, and it's kind of a relief. This is one of the reasons why I love bird watching so much. And you know, if you're constantly looking to your phone to identify a bird, the likelihood of getting distracted with social media and emails and other sorts of things going on in life in general really increases. So it's really nice to be able to put your phone away and just have a physical book that you're looking in. Next, physically having a book in your hand helps a lot with seeing where the bird you're trying to identify lies in the taxonomic order of things. Since your guidebook is ordered taxonomically, you're actually going to be sort of, you know, subliminally learning to reinforce that birds in the sparrow family, for example, look like other sparrows and are similar taxonomically to other families of birds found nearby in that guide. And finally, reinforcing the point I just mentioned, it's really rewarding to figure out what birds are in your area. And as you progress in your birding skills, to look through the guide and work through the process of determining a positive identification. Okay, so now I'm going to get into the three other things I think are important to get started in birding. They aren't exactly physical products, and while I think having a field notebook and a good birding hat and a camera, for example, are really useful for being outside and bird watching, that's actually not the direction I'm going here. I think that every birder should keep a checklist of birds found in their area or wherever they want to learn birds. For those new to birding, this can also be a great way to add to your life list, which is a list of the birds you've seen in your lifetime. And usually when you chat with any birder, they're going to have some kind of list somewhere, whether it's on their phone, on a software application, in a physical notebook of all the birds that they've checked off in their lifetime. So starting with the birds in your area, whether it's in your backyard or local park, um, local nature trail or wildlife refuge, and keeping a list of those birds to check off really helps reduce the overwhelm about where to start when you're learning birds. Your area likely has hundreds of birds that pass through every year, and that's a lot to take in, especially for people who are new to bird watching. 
Depending on where you're located, it should be fairly easy to find a local list with the birds in your area. So checking out the local bird organizations, chapters, or uh, bird watching societies, ornithological societies, such as the local chapter of our Audubon Society or Ornithological Society, is a great place to start. And actually, one of my favorite places to go find bird lists is eBird's hotspot map. All you have to do is zoom into your particular locality and find a specific location that has a pinpoint where people have already entered in their bird observations. And they've got printable guides that you can download directly on there and check off yourself. So I highly recommend that. So ultimately, having a bird list is a great place to start with what birds you're going to identify and you're looking to identify and actually look for in your immediate area. Now, after you've got the essentials to bird watching, you'll need to understand the basics to actually identify birds. And it's totally cool if you're not interested in IDing birds, but if you want to know what you're looking at when you go birding, listen up. There are five keys to bird ID. And you'll use these five keys differently depending on your experience level and the circumstances under which you spot a bird. So these five keys to to bird ID are size and shape, color and pattern, behavioral characteristics, habitat and distribution, and sounds that the bird makes. And if you look in your field guide and flip to any bird in there, you'll see each of these five key characteristics listed out for each bird. So figuring out how to use these five keys to your advantage when you're identifying birds makes a world of difference when you're actually trying to get a positive identification. So for example, for size and shape, it's important to recognize that different bird groups and families of birds are sized and shaped differently. So sparrows are smaller than robins, which are smaller than crows, which are smaller than herons, etc. These different families of birds have overall sizes that we are aware of and know, but they also have distinct shapes about them. You wouldn't look at a heron, for example, and think, oh yeah, that's a sparrow. They're sized and shaped totally differently. We've actually got another guide that we've linked to in our show notes to help out with those interested in hearing more about the five keys to identify birds. And finally, the last of the five things I think birders need to get going with their birding endeavors and skills is to connect with their birding community. And I totally understand right now it's really hard to connect with people in person However, there are some wonderful social media groups and weekly newsletters put out by organizations like Birdwatcher's Digest and the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and the Audubon Society that really help us feel like we're connecting with other birders. And, you know, even this season, a lot of the birding festivals are starting to get moved to virtual festivals. And just take a look at where your local... uh, ornithological society or Audubon society is and I guarantee that your state or province or local region if it typically has some kind of birding festival will have a virtual festival going on and I I highly recommend getting in on that also. Once we're better able to connect with each other in person again local bird chapters and organizations often host weekly or monthly bird walks to connect with others in the community as well. 
and we've got our birding tools Facebook page where we'll post content to engage people in discussions about birds. So soon we'll be doing question and answer segments on our page as well as opportunities to have your bird photography or artwork shared on our page too. So these are really other great ways that you can connect with other people who are just interested in birds and who also want to talk about and learn about birds too. And that's really what this is about. It's connecting with other people about birds. And there you have it. The five things I think every birder needs to get started with bird watching and identifying birds. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Birding Tools podcast, and I hope this material was helpful to you. To access information about the downloadable guides I mentioned in the show and the show notes, visit our website at birdingtools.com. Next week, I'll be diving even more into the 10 things you should keep in mind when selecting a pair of binoculars. There might be a couple of things I mentioned that you wouldn't have thought of before. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to get updates on the latest birding tools has to offer, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening now. See you next time.